Coming to you from the middle of the country, a new voice in politics, a show that is breaking away from the two-party system. In the Middle, with your host, Justin Staten. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Happy Thursday morning to you. I'm glad you're back for another episode. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Anthony Fauci has just still gets uh, proven daily that pretty much everything that man said is a lie. It was a cover-up, and he should probably be prosecuted and sent to jail for covering up one of the biggest lies and uh, crimes against humanity that we've ever seen. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Also, uh, did Tucker Carlson actually get censored by Fox News over these January 6th videos? Well, there seems to be some mounting evidence that he has. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And I've got some, just one more example of how Congress is, and the government is serving its interest, not yours. And I, I'm going to keep bringing you these examples over and over and over again uh, so that you guys can see exactly what I'm talking about. There was a key vote to bring some American troops home from a place in the world that we should no longer be in. And you might actually be surprised that we're still there and how many troops we have on the ground there. And some, some decent members, decent members of Congress, uh, tried to pass a resolution to bring them home and out of this country, and it failed failed miserably, uh, which just goes to show the government is all about the industrial war complex and taking care of their donors. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, guys. Uh, before we get started, though, I want to talk about the fee for the show. You know, I do the fo the fo <laughs> I do the show for free. Uh, I bring it every day, and I, I hope to make it better for you guys every single day. But the only thing I ask is that you share the show. Don't run ads. Don't do anything like that. Um, so I just ask that if you got something from it, it made you laugh, made you cry, got you fired up, made you want to write me a hateful email, then share the show. I, I want to try to grow this uh, as much as possible through word of, word of mouth, uh, and it would help if you did that. Also, it'll push it up in the algorithm so that other people can find the show. Make sure to leave a rating and review because that helps with the algorithm. It'll help more people find the show, and it tells me what I'm doing well, not doing well, what you like, and what you don't like. All right. Without further ado, let's do the show. So yeah, Anthony Fauci, and I've said this before. I said it on a previous episode, and, and I'm, I, I promise that I'm not trying to beat this dead horse. I just think it's important that that we see the truth behind things and that we finally understand that as Thomas Massey, the representative from Kentucky has stated, and I, I said on the show previously, the government is only working in its interest. It should be working in the American people's interest, but it's not. This is an elitist crowd that we're dealing with and their whole goal, their whole mission is to stay in the power. Why? Because they love the perks. They love having, I mean, 
let me just ask you, if you had trillions of dollars at your disposal, right? Like your job was to manage trillions of other people's money and there's no accountability to you handling that money. What do you think the odds are? And I know you're all, all everybody that listens to this show, I know are good people, I believe. But tell me for a moment that without any constraints, do you think you might be swayed to spend trillions and trillions of other people's money that is where there's no accountability? They're not calling you every day, every month to say, hey, what'd you do with my money? You just, you just get to do what you want. Would there not be a small percentage of you that might think, Oh, you know, like maybe, and some of you out that, well, (laughs) let me finish my sentence that some of you might just think, Hey, you know, I work hard, blah, blah. Maybe I should benefit a little bit from this too. You know, if I give, if I pass this bill and give these guys millions of dollars, you know, I like being a Senator. I like being a U.S. Congressman. Maybe just maybe they'll donate to my campaign and I'll get to keep all my perks and get get to seem important and, you know, get my back slapped by people who think I'm important, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, many of you out there may think that, you know, you, you wouldn't. That you would never be, I guess, compromised or feel tempted to do that. And that's good. Great. But guys, if you had access to trillions of dollars with no accountability and you could spend that money however you wanted, are you really going to think about the people that are giving you that money to spend always 100% of the time? I think it's a human condition. I think it's a fallacy amongst humans, period. Even though we're good-hearted, good-spirited, we want to do the right things. And, and by me saying this is I'm, I'm not giving a pass, right? I'm not giving a pass to these bureaucrats and, and our politicians. I'm, I'm not. But at the same time, they have no constraints. We don't hold them accountable. So I get why they would be tempted to do things that are not okay and start over time to create a system that works in their interest, not the people that they're supposed to be representing. I totally get it. I don't agree with it, but I think constraints need to be created. And we're starting to see evidence of why restraints need to be created. Because this system has grown up, this System of self-dealings, because that's what it is, has grown out of control. And it creates situations like what I'm about to tell you about with Anthony Fauci, whereby people are incentivized to not do the right thing, but to preserve their self-interest. And that is a problem. It is unethical. It is illegal. It should be rooted out, and so that it doesn't keep happening, we need to demand 
constraints and restraints to be put on the system so it doesn't keep happening. Term limits would be a good restraint. Passing laws that corporations cannot donate to campaigns or super PACs. Because even though for legal purposes, a, a company is a legal entity, they're not a U.S. citizen. The people who own or run those companies and work for those companies are U.S. citizens. But unless you should, you are legally allowed to cast a vote, like, like the company can't go cast a vote. Apple can't go and cast a vote at the ballot box. ExxonMobil cannot go cast a vote at the ballot box. So unless you can legally cast a vote in an election, you should not be allowed to contribute money to politicians. That's a constraint that would prevent these self-dealings. There should be a law passed that members of Congress are not allowed to trade stocks. They should be limited while they're serving their constituents to nothing more than ETFs or mutual funds that follow a broad index like the S&P 500. That's it. If you want to serve our country, there need you need to understand there's going to be some constraints. Because we see it all the time. People go to DC with the best of intentions and they get there and get turned by the swamp to be okay with self-dealings. Because the system is all on their side, so who's going to say any different? We're asleep at the wheel, so we're not going to say anything different. And that creates corruption and illegal dealings. And at the very least, unethical dealings. And it needs to be rooted out. These people need to be held accountable. But we can't just stop there. We need to then put the constraints in place so, so that it does not keep happening. Just like with this Dr. Fauci thing, the evidence is mounting that Dr. Fauci not only lied to the American people. And keep on, why is this a big deal that Dr. Fauci lied? Why do I keep bringing it up? Because he was put out on the stage as the health authority for the American people. He was the go-to. He was the guru. Let's follow what Dr. Fauci recommends. And he knew that. He knew that. The Trump administration, when they were in, knew that. And so did the Biden administration when they were in. And most of what he said, the CDC followed and everybody else followed. So to learn about these new revelations is a problem. So if the lead health authority in America is lying and covering up things out of his own self-interest, and he's lying and covering up things to the American people, that's criminal. Because now he is involved because we weren't getting the truth, we really, at that point, didn't know how to handle COVID and exactly what would work and what wouldn't work. And so he is culpable in every single COVID death 
Every single death of suicide that resulted from people's businesses being closed down and shut down, teenagers killing themselves because they lost touch with reality because they weren't able to go to school. They weren't able to hang out with their friends. They weren't allowed to go to sporting events. Sporting events. They weren't even allowed to attend graduations. You had people that couldn't go say goodbye to loved ones that were dying, visit their loved ones in nursing homes. You couldn't even attend church. All because of these lies. And Anthony Fauci was a big part of these lies. Now, we know, you probably know, there's hearings going on in D.C. about the origins of COVID. Because we never, ever... When Trump was there, Trump gave some statements. Trump came right out of the gate immediately and said, I think it came out of a lab in China. And everybody thought that was racist. And he was just saying, no, I mean, based off of the intelligence we have at the moment, it appears it came out of a lab in China. And everybody lambasted him for that. The Chinese government came out and said, oh, that's racist against Chinese people, Asians. And then, of course, the parrots on the left who are Marxist propagandists just parroted China's talking points and discredited Trump. And then Fauci comes in and does the same thing and discredits Trump while Trump was still in office. And he was lying. Why was he lying? Well, some of these revelations that have come out recently, and I shared some of this on a previous episode, but Dr. Fauci and the NIH were funding gain-of-function research, which he has since lied about in testimony under oath and said he didn't do, and that the NIH never did. But we know that's not true. We know money was funneled to universities, and then those universities funded, funneled money to laboratories that were researching gain-of-function. That much we do know. It's a fact, not a theory. It's not anything. It's a fact. We, we actually know that because people in Congress followed the money. It's not difficult. You just got to follow where the money's going. And just because you give it to this guy, and then that guy turns around and gives it to this guy— does not wash your hands of responsibility at all. Especially when you know you're giving research grants that will be doled out to other research firms. You can put, as the government, stipulations on what that money can be spent, but they didn't. They didn't on purpose so that they could funnel money to gain a research. So when it came out that it could have been a lab leak that Dr. Fauci was indeed funding, he scrambled. It can't be a lab leak because if it's a lab leak, it's eventually he knew it's going to come back to decisions I've made. So what's he do? He starts discrediting the lab leak theory and calls it conspiracy theory. Demonstrably false conspiracy theories which it's not. And in the fact that nobody was willing to even look at it should concern everybody. I mean, you're not even going to look to see if it's possible. So throughout some of these hearings, what we found out, and I mentioned it before, there's this Dr. Anderson 
who uh, Chris, Christian Anderson, who was a researcher. Um, he's uh, a professor from Scripps Research, and he ended up writing a proximal origin paper to disprove the lab leak, okay? But before that happened, he had now uncovered emails, an email exchange with Dr. Fauci before he wrote that paper. And the, the conversations he was having with Dr. Fauci were about, hey, you know, we're, we're, our work, the, what we're trying to figure out, you know, this is back in February of 2020. What we're trying to figure out is, you know, we're, we're trying to actually disprove the lab theory, right? That, that, that was his focus on his work. And in one of these emails that he sends to Dr. Fauci, now also keep in mind, guys, Dr. Fauci and his organization send research funds to Christian Anderson, Dr. Anderson, for their research too, okay? So they give them grants, okay? So money is on the line here. So on, in January... This Dr. Anderson emails Fauci and says, hey, some of the features in this virus look engineered. And stated, and I quote, the genomes look inconsistent with evolutionary theory. After he sent that email and Fauci read it, they got on a phone call regarding his findings. Just the very next day, after that phone call, so they get on a phone call the very next day. This Dr. Anderson changes, changes his viewpoint and, and writes this paper and says that he changes his tune and says the main crackpot theories going around at the moment related to this virus being somehow engineered is demonstrably false the day after the phone call with Fauci. So he goes from saying, hey, uh, we think this is engineered. Some of the features look engineered and the genomes look inconsistent with evolutionary theory to, hey, this crackpot theory of it somehow came from a lab or was engineered, demonstrably false. Now, that's bad enough on its face, right? That that he sends this email privately to Fauci and says these things. Fauci calls him, gets on the phone, and then he, the very next day, changes his opinion. Because his opinion in the email wasn't public yet. Well, it's public now because we got all the records. That, on its face, is a problem, right? That's scary. What was said on that phone call? And I would love to hear that phone call. What makes it infinitely worse is that after that paper was written where he said that the engineered theory is demonstrably false, the funding for Dr. Anderson from the NIH and Fauci goes up. He gets more money. Yeah, it's a head scratcher. To make matters worse, recently, you've got the former CDC director, the director of the CDC, Dr. Robert Redford, 
or sorry, not doctor, just Robert Redford, testifying in front of Congress. No, he is a doctor. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I w I'll make mistakes. Dr. Robert Redf Redfield. I said Redford, too. Yeah, somebody punched me through this. Like, I'm um, sorry. Um, Dr. Robert Redfield. There we go. Former director of the CDC. He's been testifying up on Congress or up on the Hill. And he is now saying that there are serious irregular, irregu irregularities with the whole theory that it, that it was natural. And I've got a couple videos here that I want to play. One is shorter than the other, but he, he says two important things. One, he gets into uh, what happened in September of 2019 prior to COVID like hitting America, quote unquote, that happened in the lab in Wuhan, which he says are extreme irregularities. Like it just doesn't pass the smell test. So I want to play you that one. It's shorter but I think it's important to hear. And then he goes on to say he's being questioned about whether or not uh, the virus was likely engineered or created by gain of function. And what he says is going to blow your mind. So this in total is going to be about uh, four minutes. I know it's a, it's a long video clip, but this is the former director of the CDC who asked t many times to be a part of these conversations about how the origin of the, the virus and was cut out by everybody else to include Dr. Fauci. So let me play this for you guys. It's about four minutes. It's a little long, but it's worth listening to. So check it out. And I will say, if you go back and look, it's declassified now. And I'm sure you all have your classified briefings, but the declassified information now in September of 2019, three things happened in that lab. One is they deleted the sequences. It was highly irregular. So researchers don't usually like to do that. Second thing they did was they changed the command and control of the lab from the civilian control to the military control. Highly unusual. And I've been involved in dual use labs when I was in the military. And the third thing they did, which I think is really telling, is they let a contractor redo the ventilation system in that laboratory. So I think clearly there was strong evidence that there was a significant event that happened in that laboratory in September. It's now been declassified. You can read it. I'm sure there's more classified information around. Dr. Redfield, did you agree, in your opinion, with Dr. Anderson's assessment at the time that this virus did look engineered? I was concerned because of uh, the presence of the furin cleavage site that we've talked about. And I think it's important to understand what that cleavage site does. Uh, that cleavage site totally changes the orientation of the binding domain of COVID. So it now, which could not see the ACE2 receptor, which is a human receptor, it totally changes the orientation now. So it has high affinity for a human receptor. So that furin cleavocyte bothered me. It didn't seem that it belonged there. And then when you look at the sequences that it used, and it's beyond the committee, but I know many of you have looked into it, the sequences that they used in those 12 nucleotides for arginine were the arginine sequences, nucleotide triplet, that coded for the human arginine. So why did this virus have the arginine sequences for human 
there, not bat. It was very disconcerting to me. It looked like this virus was engineered. Was this uh, what you're observing and speaking of? Is this something that would be in line with gain of function research and the and the capabilities it would provide to right. the virus? Yeah, I mean, basically, this lab published in 2014 that they accomplished in this uh, allowing the coronaviruses that they were working with in the lab to bind to the H2 receptor in humanized mice. And the only way they did that was by reorienting the binding domain. And it was clear to them at this time that that was likely the issue in their private conversations. Um, yet by February 4th, a paper on the origins of COVID is drafted by four participants of the February 1 conference call. One of those participants, Dr. Anderson, completely reverses himself in an email to the president of EcoHealth, Peter Dozik, and says the main crackpot theories going around at the moment relate to this virus being somehow engineered, and that is demonstrably false. Um, my question to you, Mr. Redfield, did you know of any evidence that they had found within three days from February 1st to February 4th to be able to confirm that it was not created in a lab? Um, as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, I was excluded from those conversations, uh, which I found retroactively very disappointed since I was obviously a virologist and very engaged. And I actually had asked Jeremy Farrar, Tony Fauci, and Tedros to have these conversations. And then to be excluded, I found unusual. I do think it illustrates one point that's worth really focusing on. When you, when you have a group of people that decide there could only be one point of view, that's problematic. And I'll keep going saying it's antithetical to science. And unfortunately, that's what they did. I can tell you, Dr. Redfield, that is the case. It's very problematic because how people suffered in this country from those, uh, what I would call, um, tyrannical decisions using their, their positions of power um, and shutting down the country yeah, in the way they did. I, I think people definitely do feel that way. And there you go. I'm no biologist and or viral, viral, viral geez, Louise, virologist. <laughs> I I wonder what it, like you guys probably sometimes when I stumble over my words are like, geez, man, get it together, and uh, I get it. Um, but I'm I'm no biologist and all science smart or whatever, uh, scientifically intelligent. I I slept a lot in biology and some of those classes, but that sounded like a really good explanation as to why one would assume when studying this virus that it was engineered. And, and that's why I wanted you to hear it because it's like that, why, why, why were, and I, there were, trust me, there were other virologists out there saying these things a long time ago, but they were censored. They were censored by the government, by all the social media platforms and the, the mainstream corporate media so that their sense of this and what they were seeing couldn't get out to the American people. And one's got to wonder why. Why would there be this concerted effort, this coordinated effort to censor any information that wasn't coming out of Dr. Fauci or the administration or the CDC? which the CDC was taking after Dr. Redfield left, was taking almost 100% of its direction from what Dr. Fauci was saying. I mean, they had conversations. 
closed-door conversations. And it just begs the question, why? Why was there such a coordinated effort to censor other viewpoints? I mean, isn't that... I mean, he kind of said it. It's like antithetical to science. It's, it's the opposite of what science is about. If there's only one viewpoint and one allowed viewpoint, it's not science anymore. And that's what we got. And it makes you wonder why. Well, I can tell you it makes me wonder why. There's also talk that some of the research that Fauci and some other people were doing that were involved in the whole COVID narrative was also on the vaccine, the mRNA technology research. So were, did they benefit financially from the vaccines being sold? I don't know. But if they were, it's kind of a problem. Because not only are they trying to get around the responsibility of possibly funding this gain-of-function research that led a virus out on the world that, you know, and again, guys, I'm not going to keep pushing the narrative that COVID was this big, scary, horrible. I mean, we know now it's, it's no more lethal than the flu. So I'm not going to keep saying, oh, 8 million people worldwide died. No, we already know the numbers were padded. They made it seem worse than it was. And so I'm not going to push the false narrative here on my show that says it was, you know, this big killer. I think, did it kill some people? Absolutely it did. So does flu. Every year. And you notice how we had, just side note, you notice how we had no flu deaths that year? It's amazing. So do I think some people that contracted it and had some comorbidities or had issues like, you know, diabetes on top of some other issues really suffered the most from it and the, the virus more than likely killed them? Yes. I'll, I also think in the early stages, not knowing how to treat it and putting people on vents immediately when they were starting to struggle, I, I think the vents alone probably killed a lot of people because it damaged their lungs beyond repair. That's my theory. Uh, if there's any doctors out there that want to debunk or, you know, give some commentary on that theory, I'd love to hear it. I think because we, it was a new virus and we really weren't sure how to treat it, I think some mistakes were made, which happens. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing or that, you know, it's, it's horrible that anybody loses their life. But in these types of situations, it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. All right. And we hate it every time. But if you knew the origins, you funded those origins, I think the right thing to do in front of the American people is to step up and say, hey, got it wrong. Like we were funding this stuff. It got out. We're sorry. We won't do it again. That would have been better. And then they could have said, you know, we, we can you know, sequence this thing. We can figure it out. We think we might already have it figured out. And so lockdowns, guys, it's going to spread. It's going to be like the flu. Masks aren't going to work. Lockdowns aren't going to work. Social distancing is not going to work. We're just going to have to get through it. We're going to have to get through it. We, you know, doctors out there, you know, you're the ones in the field doing what you do. So treat it. Try some different treatments. Let's all keep talking to each other to see what treatments are working best and then blast that out to everybody. And then we wouldn't have been, you know, censoring ivermectin and all these other things. 
like it was turned political and it was turned political to suit political narratives and to cover up people's culpability in it. That's criminal. And if Dr. Fauci was benefiting from this, on top of all of that, it's even worse. Also, another side note, I know who else was benefiting from it. Do you know how long it took Pfizer to get the $4 billion a year in revenue? Years. Do you know how long it took them to go from $4 billion to $9 billion in revenue? One. Do you want to guess which year Pfizer went from $4 billion to $9 billion? You don't have to think too hard about it. Yeah, it was the year of the COVID vaccines, the mandatory COVID vaccines. I'd be interested to see, and I think you guys should look, how many politicians got massive and super PACs run by politicians got massive donations from Pfizer. Hmm. Be interesting to see. Anyway, I think it's a problem, guys. You should, at this point, make up your own minds about the COVID narrative. There are at least 10 lies that were told during the whole COVID garbage. At least 10. I don't know if I can name them all off right now, but at least 10 masks Oh, that we, we couldn't build a natural immunity to it. The vaccines would actually prevent you from getting it. That's never been true in human evolutionary history when it comes to viral issues. There's no vaccine that prevents any virus from getting on you, in you, whatever. It's your antibodies and your antibodies response to that virus that will determine how infected you get by the virus. So to say a vaccine is going to prevent an infection or the spread is absurd. It's, it's, talk about demonstrably false. So we were told that. We were told lockdowns would work, not going to school would work, that teachers were compromised uh, from their young students, et cetera. I mean, the lies are that it no possible way it was a lab leak. There's another lie. Hey, one mask doesn't work. Put on three. It, that's how stupid it got. And we all know deep down inside it was stupid. It's it blows my mind. You still go to a doctor's appointment or walk in a hospital and they're like, you got a mask? For what? For what? What am I wearing a mask for? The studies are conclusive. They don't work. They they and by don't work, I'm being I'll be fair. Little to no effect in stopping the spread. I.e., they don't work. Little to no effect means they don't work. And I prefer not to walk around with cloth covering my nose and mouth if it's going to have little to no results. I'll just wash my hands like a normal human being. This is a problem. So keep an eye, like create your own beliefs here, guys. But what you need to understand, stop buying the lies. It's literally all lies at this point. It's, that's proof. Now, whether we'll, anybody will get held accountable or be prosecuted over this, I highly doubt because the machine is the machine in DC and they're always protecting each other. So I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but we need to get loud and demand that people are held, held accountable for this. Let's move on. I think I beat that up pretty good. Um, so it, 
is Tucker Carlson, you know, I've shared the January 6th videos. And I don't know if you guys watched his show or, or not. But on his second episode, on the first episode, he, he basically put out videos that debunked three of the Democrats and the Uniparty and the government's main narrative. One, it was a, a, a deadly insurrection, right? So one, it wasn't an insurrection. There was no organization to it whatsoever. The crowd got riled up. Like they didn't organ. They had a permit to go down and peacefully protest on the side of the Capitol building. They were allowed to be there. Okay, so that part of the whole thing was organized because it was planned weeks in advance. And they got the permit and got the permit approved because in America, you're allowed to protest, as we all know. But the people breaking the glass and the doors and going into the Capitol, that, the only people who planned on that were the agitators in the crowd who riled the crowd up. And it didn't help when the Capitol Police started shooting tear gas into the, at the and it's on video. There's, there's no debating this. So if you want to debate me, go watch the effing video. At one point, there's a crowd standing down there. They hadn't broke through any barricades. They hadn't done anything yet. And they shot tear gas down in them. It's like kicking a hornet's nest. When you start taking shots at, peaceful protesters, they're going to get pissed. And then you've got agitators at the front of the line telling people, go in, let's go into the Capitol, let's take our country back. Let's, of course, they're going to get riled up. That was the only organization. So that debunks the myth. And then when they get in the Capitol building, the vast majority of the people in the Capitol were milling about. They weren't ransacking everything and knocking everything over and destroying things and setting shit on fire. You, it didn't happen. So it wasn't an insurrection because that would be a, a organized and violent overthrow of a government. That didn't happen. They didn't overthrow the government. They didn't try to. They didn't, they didn't bust into the chambers of the Senate and hold everybody hostage and demand they change their votes. Didn't happen. And I guarantee you, even if the senators were not evacuated, it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. Because 98% of all the people who were there were peaceful. Did they break laws? Yes. Should they have entered the Capitol building? No, they shouldn't. But to, to, to dub it a deadly insurrection is false. Deadly. They've also still to this day they're they're saying Biden said or Biden's press secretary said or not a press secretary, sorry, the attorney general, that buffoon, literally yesterday said that five police officers died on January 6th defending the Capitol. Guys, that is a lie. Brian Sicknick died the next day. He collapsed from a stroke later that night, around eight o'clock or eight thirty. After everything was over, his autopsy showed he had no physical wounds or injuries, none, no head trauma, no nothing. The media and the government tried to tell you he was killed with, an, with a fire extinguisher defending the Capitol. It's a lie. It's not true. 
Tucker released the evidence showing that it didn't happen. But that's what you were told. And that's the whole point of the, the Tucker Carlson releasing footage. His main point was to debunk the narrative, this grotesque narrative that there was this violent, deadly insurrection and that it competes with 9-11 or Pearl Harbor. Like it, Those people should be ashamed to even say or utter words like, or the most violent thing to ever happen in the Capitol since the Civil War. Like, you should be ashamed. Like, anyone who can utter those words watching the full context, context of what happened on January 6th should be ashamed of themselves, and it's proof they have no character. None. And if you buy that stuff and agree and are pushing the same thing, you have no character. Period. Because it's contextually and obviously not true. And that's what he was doing, was debunking the narrative. So he showed the video of, of the Capitol Police officer. He showed that most people were being milled, milling about. Yes, people broke windows and people busted down doors. And yes, there were people who got into scuffles with police officers. And all of that he condemned as he should. None of that was okay. The whole point was to disprove that the, the narrative that you've been force-fed, that it was this crazy thing that was the, one of the worst blemishes on American history, is absurd. And he shared last night how back in the 50s or 60s, I remember some Puerto Rican revolutionaries or whatever shot five members of Congress inside the Capitol building. That's worse. But no, this was the worst thing to ever happen to America since 9-11, Pearl Harbor, and the Civil War. It's grotesque to put it in the same category. But the reason they're spinning up the narrative is to prevent people from running for office and to literally destroy and censor a part of America that believes in fundamental rights. I don't care if you're conservative or not. What I will say about conservatives is they will fight for our rights and yours, even when you hate them. That's what I love about conservatives. Just like what I love about liberals is their big hearts. They genuinely care and they want to accept everything and everyone and they want everybody to be living in a utopia. And I love that about them. They're some of the nicest, biggest heart peoples, but they're also the first ones to go crazy. But conservatives will fight for your rights even when you hate them. You can't censor, conserve, you can't just alienate. And that's what this is all about. Because it's the conservatives typically who are not easily hoodwinked or lied to that will hold these people accountable. And the Uniparty doesn't want that. They're the people who want to look behind closed doors. And that's all Tucker Carlson was doing and I'll get to the point here, I promise. But you had, so he shared the, the videos. And he said that first night, I've got more videos to share tomorrow. Chuck Schumer went out and a member of the Senate, guys, the majority leader of the Senate, works for you, takes an oath to the Constitution, came out and said, he should not air it. Fox News should take him off the air. 
Guys, that is a, I don't care. I do not care what your political ideologies are. If you are for censoring anyone, anyone, you're the Marxist, you're the fascist, you're the communist, everything that they want to call you or us or people like me, you are. Because speech and the freedom of the press is protected for all citizens. So when a member of Congress like Chuck Schumer comes out and Mitch McConnell, and there were several others, several other Republicans, Mitt Romney, Lindsey Graham, John Thune, Tom Tillis, Kevin Kramer, all coming out and saying, oh, it's a mistake. Tucker Carlson shouldn't, should not do this and Fox News should pull it. Are in that moment, anybody who is advocating for a violation, direct violation of the Constitution, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, is an enemy of the Constitution, period, the end. Now, what I'm not saying is let's go start a revolutionary war and commit violence and all. I'm not saying that. But we are supposed to protect the Constitution from foreign and domestic enemies. Domestic enemies aren't the people fighting for the Constitution and trying to uphold the Constitution. It's those trying to defeat the Constitution and avert the Constitution. Like this idiot... Chuck Schumer, who publicly says a journalist or a media person or just a citizen in general, I don't care if you want to think he's a journalist or a commentary, commentator or whatever, doesn't matter. He's a citizen. So not only has he got the pass for the freedom of the press, but he also gets a pass as a First Amendment right as freedom of speech as a citizen. Not to mention what he's putting out there is just raw footage. That's it with some commentary. And you've got active members of Congress saying it shouldn't happen. And I think it worked because he said he was going to drop more videos. And in a second show, he only dropped an interview with one of the Capital City police officers who said they, they weren't prepared and they weren't getting the help that they needed on that day. And that he feels like it was a failure of the leadership that's it. That's all I came out the next day. And then on that episode, he said, I'll bring more January 6th videos tomorrow, which would have been yesterday. And guess what? Yesterday came, the show came, and no videos. Guys, that concerns me. Not because I'm a Tucker Carlson fanboy. Trust me when I say Tucker Carlson's got a lot of things wrong in the past. Go back and watch some of his crossfire days on CNN. He was... I mean, he was young. Maybe he learned from it. But, you, I mean, I remember when Jon Stewart schooled him on Crossfire for not being honest about debate. Go back and Google that and see if you can find that. So, Tucker Carlson, I'm not a Tucker Carlson fanboy. I like him because he appears that he has not sold out until now. Now, I get nobody wants to lose their job. My theory, and the Gateway Pundit even put out a story last night that it looks like Murdoch may have shut Tucker down um, and that he changed his show plan because of these calls for censorship. Guys, that's not American. That is a direct violation of the Constitution. Now, Rupert Murdoch and Fox News has every right, because it's their company, 
to say, hey, if you air this segment or do that segment or do a segment I don't want you to do, I can fire you because we direct the narrative and what stories we want to do. And yada. That's, that's fair and that's true. But if being pressured by the federal government to censor one of your journalists is a horrible thing. And if it worked, guys, we are in a much worse place in America right now than I ever thought we were. It was bad enough when the government was working with social media companies, and I believe they still are because Twitter's the only one that got caught so far red-handed. That was bad enough that they were working to censor Americans through social media platforms directly. And again, not a conspiracy. Just go look it up and try not using Google to do so. Because Google is also part of the censorship campaign. That was bad enough. But for a member of Congress to stand on the floor and pressure censorship is un-American and a direct violation of the Constitution. And it definitively makes him an enemy of the Constitution. And so as an American people, we have to decide how to handle that. And I think we have a good process in place whereby the constituents of his district can make sure he never enters office ever again. But this is where we have to pay attention and we have to pressure. And if you're a constituent in his district, I don't care what your ideations are. If you, you have to decide right now, you either believe in the Constitution and believe it'll uphold our American values or you don't. And if you don't, then you're really not American in the broadest sense of an American under a constitutional republic. There, you clearly want something else. Because as far as I know, that's what American is still. A land, a, a, repub, a constitutional republic who believes in freedom for all and a, a document that secures our God-given or universal-given rights that all people get just for being human. They're fundamental human rights, civil rights. So if you don't believe in the Constitution and what it stands for, then you don't believe in those fundamental civil rights. That's un-American. We got to wake up because it's happening. I've never, I've never seen a member of Congress, and if somebody has an example, send it to me. I've never seen, guys, a member of Congress, and I don't, again, I don't give a crap what your political ideologies or what party you've sworn your oath or allegiance to. I don't effing care. That's the problem, just in case you're confused. The problem is swearing your oath and allegiance to a party, not an idea of God-given rights for all human beings. I don't care what your ideology is. I've never in my life seen a member of Congress censor those rights or try to, or pressure people to. This is a whole new issue in America, guys. They, they're showing who they are. So if anything good came out, I don't, even if you don't believe the narrative and you're one of those people <clears throat> that are just like, oh, he's a liar and he, I don't believe anything. That's fine, fine. But look at the reaction it's getting. That should at least pique your interest on how people are overreacting about just video being posted out there. Video that's never been seen before, never been released. Where's the problem in that? In the transparency. 
If, if, if you're fighting for people like Chuck Schumer, you are also the problem in America. Because you're okay with violating people's God-given universal rights for political power and control. Or just to make it look like your side's winning. Screw that. In, in your guys' attempt in these political parties and these ideologies on both sides to want your team to win, you're screwing America. You're screwing over America. Because for one side to win, one side and everybody else who didn't pick that side has to lose. And that's how we govern now. And the only people who win are the uniparty who are getting you numbskulls to pick a side. They're the only ones winning, and you can't wake up long enough to see it. It's absurd. Sorry. All right, I went on a rant there, but let's move on to the final story. And do you guys know we still have 900 troops in Syria? Yeah, well, if you didn't know, we do. Why? Why do we have 900 troops still in Syria? Well, I can tell you, according to the Defense Department, it's to fight ISIS. You know, ISIS, the terror organization that we helped create in the Middle East, and in some ways funded. It's not conspiracy theory. It's reality. Like we are the ones who initially trained the initial groups of, of people who then turned into ISIS in the Middle East. Gave them weapons, guns, uh, and training. And then they turned around and formed ISIS. So yeah, we helped create this beast. And, and how many times have we heard ISIS was defeated only for we, we still have 900 troops in Syria? And, it's, and I'm, there's more troops. There's still troops in Iraq. There's still troops in Syria. There's, there are troops all over the world still. There's 2,500 in Iraq. It's crazy. Why? Why are we doing this? Why are we fighting never-ending wars that have no real objective? Like, what's the objective in fighting I ISIS? You, you ever notice that, how there's never an objective? Just like there's no objective in Ukraine. There was no objective in Iraq and Afghanistan. It was always like small, you know, quarterly, month-to-month, semi-annual, annual objectives of, when well, we're going to take this village or that village, or we're going to try to contain the Taliban over here in this corner of Afghanistan. For what, to what end, though? Like, how do we know when we've won? What's the objective? What's the objective to tell us that we've won? And there isn't one. Fighting ISIS is such a broad stroke. What's that mean? Fighting ISIS is the objective to kill every member of ISIS. And then once we have, we're done. We can declare victory and bring our troops home. I don't know. Why are we still in Iraq? Oh, to uh, help the Iraqi military, you know, keep things in line. And okay, for to what end, though? What is the measurable goal or objective that says, okay, Iraq knows how to defend itself now. Let's go. There isn't one. There's no objective. And that is a failure of leadership. And, and I'm not saying necessarily a leadership of the military. 
I know tons of good leaders in the military who are just as frustrated by the bureaucrats as I am. And most of you are. Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, guys, most colonels, lieutenant colonels, most low-level generals, lieutenants, sergeants, staff sergeant, master sergeants, they're not getting kicked back from the industrial war complex, guys, to go fight these wars and send our loved ones into battle. That doesn't happen. But politicians do. Politicians do. Bureaucrats do. Maybe some high-level generals at different intervals who are vying for a cushy civilian job after they retire do. But we just keep fighting endless wars with zero objectives. This is it's insane. So it's so insane that some good, decent members of Congress, and these are the people you got to watch, guys. These are the people who haven't sold out yet or at least on some level haven't. Maybe in a couple areas they've sold out to the swamp, but they haven't sold out yet. And these are the people you need to watch because a few of them tried to pass a resolution recently to at least get our troops out of Syria. The 900 that are still there, guys, we never declared war on Syria. We, we, we never did anything like that. They just did a sleight of hand and said, oh, well, that's, part of the global war on terrorism. So yeah, we're going to Syria now too. That's how that happened. Like we just circumvent the whole process of getting approval from Congress to go to war with countries. And I'm sorry, but if you've got American troops on your soil <laughs> armed with weapons in the lethal ability to kill, that's a war. But we just keep doing this stuff over and over. And so anyway, a good few members of Congress decided they are tired of these endless wars. So they tried to pass a resolution. And the resolution was to, it was a war powers resolution, but was to remove the United States armed forces from Syria. They took a vote yesterday. And what do you think happened? What do you think happened? It lost is what happened. Only 103 members, 47 Republicans, 56 Democrats voted yes. Yes, as in remove our troops from Syria, bring them home. 103 guys. 321 voted yes. And there were 11 no votes, which those are the people who probably are up for re-election soon and don't want it on their record that they voted yes or no to stop endless wars. Coward votes is what I call them. It's chicken shit. It's crazy. Only 103. And you know what? Bless the 103 that did, and those are 56 Democrats and 47 Republicans. Not an endorsement of either party. And I'm sure you guys probably figured that out. But at least there's 103 people that, that aren't crazy or bought and paid for by the industrial war complex. Because what measurable objective do we have in Syria? To fight ISIS? Okay, until when? But they won't tell you that. They never do. No, it's so that we can keep funneling money through to Syria. 
And then where? Mm. I, I, we could probably guess. I mean, it's hard to follow the money, guys, once it goes into a third world country. It really is. It's, and if you notice where all of our troops are stationed around the world, it's, it's obvious why we're doing what, what for global peace. If we want go, global peace, put peacekeepers in there. Global security? Oh, because Sierra, Sierra, Syria is going to cross the Atlantic and attack America. They don't even have like intercontinental ballistic missiles. So security? Get out of here. Get out of here. Well, we don't want Russia filling that vacuum or China. Well, they already have. We're only tucked up in the north portion of Syria. Guess who else is there? Russia. China. We have troops in Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt, Yemen. Why are we in Yemen? Somalia, Niger. Doing what? Still got a handful of people in Afghanistan. Not many. Why? Why are we in Bulgaria and Hungary, Slovakia? Well, probably because of the Ukraine thing, right? Mm, maybe. Or it's because we need to increase stock prices. I don't know. And it's a good way of funneling money because once they go into these countries, guys, poof, they're gone. There's no more tracing it after that. Makes you wonder how uh, somebody can go to Congress making nothing and not having a net worth more than a million dollars. And that's most of them. But somehow they come out wealthy. Worth millions of dollars. It's interesting how that works. What'd you do? To, I mean, your salary is only $170,000, a year. But in 10 years, you managed to become a multimillionaire? Oh, good. Ah, wow. What's, what's the trick? Well, the trick is running for Congress. We got to get wise, folks. We got to band together. Uh, so God bless those 103 that tried to get it done. Um, and for, you know, you conservative Republicans out there, uh, your boys well, answer, please let me know, write me an email, write me an email. Let me know why you support Republicans who are just supporting the industrial war complex. Why can't we bring those 900 troops home from Syria? So you support 900 troops in Syria, Republicans? Democrats, you're the anti-war party. You're the anti-war party. For those of you listening to In the Middle who haven't jumped off your political parties yet, I'm talking to you right now, and I hope you're listening. 150, 150 Democrats don't want to bring troops out of Syria. Because they also support endless foreign wars. So are you guys going to stick that hardcore to your political ideologies? Give me one good reason why 900 troops need to stay in Syria of all places. One. And you'll have to go watch your CNNs or your Fox Newses to give me the answer. I'm sure. But just step back for a second and ask yourself the question. Why am I still supporting a political party who is sending you know, our best men and women into a country 
that has no bearing on our ability to succeed as a, as a country and as a people and put them in harm's way for no reason. Well, so we can send, spend more money? Yeah. Okay. Marinate on that one, Democrats and Republicans. Marinate on that one. Well, guys, I got to leave it there. I got to go. I got to get, get to work. Uh, like always, but you know, I appreciate you guys coming back for another episode and please seriously leave me a review, you know, skip the rating. I don't even care. Like a rating's great, but at least give me a review, like give me some feedback. Uh, anything is great. Wherever you're listening to this too, there's a place where you can leave comments, feedback, etc. because I, I really want to know if I'm hitting the mark. I mean, the show is growing, so I'm doing something halfway, right? But I really do want to make this a show that you want to tune into every day and, and make it a part of either your commute to work or when you're hanging out at work or when you're on your way home from work or hanging out on the weekends. I, and I know in order for that to happen, it has to be a good quality show. So please give me the feedback so I can keep working on this thing and making it great. I really appreciate you being here with me, guys. I will be back again tomorrow morning, and I honestly cannot wait until then. But until then, have a great American day and take care.